Welcome to another episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. Today, I really want to talk about plateauing and the idea of feeling frustrated with your training. And I also wanted to talk about some games that I think you can play that will improve your overall jujitsu and be pretty fun. So in this beginning part, I just want to talk about like this idea of plateauing and feeling frustrated with your training. And it really just felt like the stars aligned perfectly to talk about this. You know, one of the things that I like doing on this podcast that some of the listeners have said felt really resonates with them is the idea of just vulnerability and empathy and understanding that like it really is so tough to train for so many years. I mean, to get good at jujitsu, you have to do it all the time for a long time. And there's really no, yeah, there are shortcuts. And everybody right now is talking about what's the most optimized way to train and all this stuff. But you can do all of that you like. It doesn't matter. You're going to have to spend a lot of years spending a lot of your time on the mat to get good. And no matter how you slice that, it's going to be super frustrating a lot of the time. And you're going to have to find ways to deal with that. So today, one of my students after class was just saying that he felt kind of plateaued. And he just said, man, I don't I don't really feel like I'm getting better. I felt like I was. And then back in January, it's Wednesday, February 21st, uh, for reference. So for like the past six, seven weeks, he said that he had just really felt like he's not progressing that much and he's just kind of going through the motions or he feels like everybody is getting good in a way where he can't tell how he's improving. And I thought the timing on this was just interesting because I have been putting so much of my effort in the past calendar year of being the best coach I can be. And I have let my own personal game take a little bit of a backseat. So I am really focused on the development of my athletes and trying to give them the best training program possible. And a lot of times what that's looking like for me is not rolling every single round anymore. And at least on the weekdays, I still try to get like 20 rounds a weekend at least, but I'm rolling less and I'm trying to make sure that I am devoting a lot of time like coaching my people while they are rolling. And I've noticed they seem to appreciate this. I'm learning more about their games, but it's very different than how I came up. I came up in an era where your coach was supposed to roll with everybody all the time. And anything less was them kind of being like a bad coach. And, you know, I think as the level of coaching in our sport is getting better, we're seeing that. And it seems kind of common sense when you really think about it. Like, of course, the best way to coach is not to participate the whole time. You can't even roll with all of your students anyways. You might as well spend more time actually coaching them while they're rolling, looking at their games, seeing what they can improve. So anyways, I rolled this past Saturday at Open Mat, and it's really the first time since I was probably like an early to mid blue belt where after I got done training, I wasn't happy that I had trained like usually no matter how I perform, no matter how I roll, I always feel like better afterwards. I always feel relieved. I always just feel a sense of like relaxation and being at peace. 
And it didn't feel that way on Saturday, you know? And it's really the first time in my entire time in this sport where I've been like, man, maybe one day if I can't roll anymore, like, God forbid, an injury takes me out or if I just fall out of love with rolling or something like that, maybe I could learn to be okay with that. And I had mixed feelings about that. You know, on one hand, it was kind of relieving because for a lot of years, I've sort of catastrophized the idea of not being able to train anymore. Like, what if something crazy happened to me and I got in a car accident and I could never train again? Like, what what would I do? Like, so much of my identity is based around training and that's where I get so much of my, you know... um, so much of my relief from the stresses of life are is on the mat and if that were robbed from me i've that's been like a fear that i've had before so to care about it that much and then feel as if man maybe i would be okay one day if i couldn't do this anymore it was like a mixed feeling it, i felt really heavy for most of saturday and i didn't even have like a horrible training time either so that was just the other weird thing about it like it would be one thing if I had a day where I just got blown off the mat and I just got crushed and everybody you know just beat me up and I just had like a really bad performance day and then I felt like ah one day if I can't do this anymore you know I'm okay with that but no I did I performed how I usually do like I had a great day performance wise but I just wasn't enjoying the roles I felt like I wasn't doing any like new movements it it felt kind of routine and dare I say like repetitive and I've just have not had that feeling before now it's Wednesday recording this so I rolled today and I rolled Monday and I felt back to normal on those days like I didn't I didn't have that feeling again, so it may have just been like a one-off thing, but regardless, I just kind of could relate. I was like, man, I felt like plateaued. I felt like I, you know, I'm I'm loving being a coach, but my own personal game, maybe I just don't care about it that much anymore. Maybe it's plateaued. And then to have this student today tell me that he felt plateaued and all that, it just, it just really hit home. And so what I told him, I want to give like a couple sort of solutions to this. And and one solution is to just, or give a few solutions actually. One solution is to take a break. So if you really feel plateaued like that and you really feel slightly burned out, I think that if you push it too hard, you're going to run the risk of not loving the training anymore and the more you not love it you're going to start to build resentment towards it it's just like a relationship like if you go through the motions with somebody and you don't communicate with them and you don't check in with them or if there's little things they do that that annoy you and you don't speak on it and you let it build up and then it just explodes training is a long-term relationship too right? Jiu-Jitsu is a long-term thing. You have to do it for a lot of years. You have to develop a personal relationship with it. And it's not always going to be super fun. And if you're getting frustrated and you just bottle it up and you keep showing up to class and going through the motions and just thinking that you have to love training 
all the time or even that you have to train all the time it's the equivalent in a relationship of swallowing those moments where you're frustrated and you're annoyed and you're not communicating with the other person it's just like that and it's going to result in like some kind of explosion you're going to have a terrible day at the gym where you're just going to come in the gym one day and just be super over it. And then you're going to take a ton of time off. You're going to leave for a year. You're going to leave for two years. You know, maybe you never come back. Right. I've seen a lot of people do that. And I think this is really important because people used to say all the time, force yourself to go no matter what. Because if you if you quit for a little while, you're never going to come back And that's just not sustainable to most people. I mean, if you have a goal of becoming like a world champion or even not that lofty, even if you just want to be like a regional player, um, even just really good on the local scene, if you have all these goals, you may have to train more often. You can't afford to take as many breaks. But if you're just training for fun or just like to relieve stress, make friends, get in shape, stay in shape. It's not important that you're in every single day all the time. It's totally cool to take breaks. And I just hope anybody listening to this, if you go through any stresses or troubles on the mats, I want you to know that it's totally okay if you're feeling burned out to take a couple weeks off, take a month off, and then like give yourself a chance to miss it. Give yourself a chance to feel that love again and then you're excited to come back and also in that time you may get reinvigorated you may see something that just excites you and gets you to want to come and train again you know as much flack as people give some of the instagram videos with ridiculous movements and sequences they kind of look like kata from traditional martial arts people hate on those videos all the time but man it's just Sometimes it's just cool to see something that inspires you to want to train. I've seen a ton of things on Instagram that I don't think I could ever do that full sequence or that crazy pattern in a live role. But who cares? Like, I just want to think about the possibilities. What what could be done? I feel like it's looking at a potential thing, right? Like, under the right circumstances. Isn't it amazing what we can do if we train in this art isn't it amazing the possibilities that are out there if we could just unlock the skill you know unlock the patterns all that stuff and you know it may be as simple as you know you take a month off and you you see the right video on instagram or youtube and you just go that's it man i'm going back to the gym and then you might already be through your plateau there's so many times where you get better with some time off I don't know why that is, but I've talked to so many peers and students and mentors over the years that have taken time off and they come back and their game is even better after some time off. I mean, yes, your cardio has to come back, but once your cardio comes back, often you're much better after having taken a break. Another thing that you can do to improve a little bit if you are dealing with a plateau is just to like pick something that's fun to work on, right? All this talk about what's the highest percentage, this and that, blah, 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 blah. Doesn't matter. Pick something that's fun, that gets you excited and invigorated to come in and train. What did we say? 
To get good, you have to train all the time for a long time. You're going to get good just by being in the gym on a long enough timeline if you're putting the right intention, the right focus into your training just by being there. So your personal project, what are you working on this month That's that you're specifically practicing outside of whatever you're working on in normal class time? Pick something fun. Like, who cares if you're a blue belt and you're really into heel hooks even if you can't do them for a while, go ahead and learn them. Like if you think that's exciting and that gets you motivated to come in the mat, that's what you should be doing. If you think like back attacks are just the coolest thing ever, barambolos and truck rides to take the back and leg riding, dude, come in and work on that. Any free chance you get when it's open mat time after class with your buddy that you always train with after regular class time, do barambolos like who cares if it's not going to be in your a game who cares if you don't think it's the most highest percentage thing it's something to do that's going to get you enjoying the training and having fun and making sure you're always doing something to find the love i think that sometimes we get so interested in optimization and being the best we can be and all that stuff that sometimes you kind of lose the fun now what those people will argue, and I hear this all the time, when I throw out the piece of advice I just just did, some people will argue with me and they'll say, yeah, but the most fun thing in jiu-jitsu is being good at it. So if you're not always trying to be good at it, then eventually you're not going to have fun anyways because you're just going to suck and you're going to lose and blah, 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 blah. I think that that's super reductive. Um, I do sort of get the logic, like I kind of understand where they're coming from but I just don't I don't think it needs to be that serious I think if you dedicate like 20% of your training time to something super fun and enjoyable you're gonna get your vegetables and your meat and potatoes with the other 80% the final thing that I think could help a lot is just playing more games in your live training and uh, I really have to credit a couple of my training partners, uh, a few of my training partners, uh, Nathan Chow and Michael Patterson. These guys uh, were talking about the ecological method and uh, constraints-based training and all this stuff like two years ago. And to be honest, I was like a super hater early on. I thought it sounded like ridiculous. If anybody's not familiar with what that is, little cliff notes there are different learning uh, there are different theories on how human beings learn and the common one is sort of information processing where we learn information and then or where we see information and then we sort of incorporate that into our brain and then that's how we sort of learn things is that the information has to be out there separately and then we incorporate that information so as that would appear in a jiu-jitsu context, it, it would be like an instructor showing some movements and then you copy those movements and then you try to do those movements in a live role. That would be like an information processing way of developing skill. The ecological method just sort of states that people interact with their environment directly, perception is direct, and you don't really need any external information in order to build skill you just 
you know, you, you just, if the environment is set up properly, you will learn. Humans are all learners. If the environment is set up correctly for us, we can learn on our own without having to have somebody tell us a bunch of information. So the way a lot of people are training this, uh, it could go on a on a bunch of continuums. Some people go as far as not teaching any technique at all and just giving, you know, cues and and things for their students to pay attention to while they're rolling and getting them in in like specific uh, configurations and, and basically having them just play these games. Uh, it's not the same as positional sparring. Some people that criticize this method, they will call it positional sparring, but it, it that's being too broad. It, it's a little different. I don't want to get too into it on uh, this podcast, but there's other continuums where like people will show some technique, but they want to um, they, they really still want to focus though on having like a lot of live games and giving their students a lot of times, a lot of time to like organize themselves around the task at hand. And they will do things to focus their students intention and attention towards like specific tasks and then why they want to accomplish those tasks, what to pay attention to, uh, and still, showing some some technique or or certain things they're still willing to like answer specific questions that students have and that's sort of like where i'm i've been going with it there's some hardcore proponents of the the ecological method that will say that you really can't mix the two but i'm easing into it i'm definitely mixing the two and so there's some games that you can play regardless right so after that little crash course just want to say there are couple fun games that you can train and these are a few that I've been having fun with recently that I think you could try to kind of help some of your submission skills Um, especially triangles right who doesn't love triangles right choking somebody with their own arm with your legs super dope always a winner really fun game that you can play is to grab a training partner the offensive player is going to wrap a triangle on the defensive player can be any kind of triangle right we have front triangles back triangles side triangles reverse triangles and then we have like inverted triangles so out of those five main triangles you pick one but you cannot finish that one so you start fully locked in some kind of a triangle but you have to finish with another triangle so if i start in a front triangle i can lock it up fully but I can't finish the front triangle. I'd have to finish like a reverse triangle or a back triangle, right? Or maybe I start in like a side triangle, uh, but I can't, I can't finish in the side triangle. I have to control the shoulder line with my legs and switch my legs to another, uh, another lock and finish with a different kind of triangle. You can do this with arm triangles, right? Or, any sort of front headlock choke. You could put your training partner in an anaconda choke, but you're not allowed to finish the anaconda choke. You have to finish with a different head and arm choke. So maybe you have to switch to a guillotine or a darse choke, but regardless, you're going to have to learn how to keep the control points on your training partner, 
while switching to a different submission. And this really helps. It's first off, it's just fun, right? It's unique and creative and it helps you build skill in those gray zones, right? There's these little positions that don't have names. Nobody's ever named them. They happen for a split second in between different submissions and control points. There's like all these little transitions where there's like a little bit of control on the opponent, but it's just a split second before a secondary attack is locked up. And this game is really good at building those skills. I mean, you can you could put someone in a straight arm bar and say, you can't finish the arm bar. You have to finish with some kind of a leg triangle or some kind of a twisting shoulder lock like a Kimura or a Tarika Plata. There's a million ways you can do this, but the defensive player, their goal is going to be disconnecting the position. If they can break away and disconnect from you, then the game ends and you can resume again. So the game is going to end when there's a submission or when the defensive player uh, breaks the breaks the connections. So that's just like a super fun game that you can play to build like submission skills. You can also do it with leg locks. So you have like <clears throat> uh, for your leg entanglements, you have leg entanglements where their leg is straight on to you and ones where their leg goes across your body. So you could start with like their leg across your body. So maybe you have a 50-50 or a saddle cross ashi position and normally you'd be attacking the inside heel hook on that side but for this game you could say all right you can't finish with the inside heel hook you've got to pass their leg across your body and finish with like an outside heel hook or a straight ankle lock on the outside something like that to where you're gonna have to use your legs to control pass their leg across and then finish on the other side so these games are super fun if you're playing any games, I'd love to know which ones you're playing or or how it's going for you if you've been training this way recently. And yeah, just wanted to say big thanks to everybody listening. In some personal news, I have uh, my first instructional coming out in March. I don't have an exact date yet, but I worked really hard to film a cool Darce Choke instructional. I tried to do something different than what anybody's done so far so there's not a ton of setups it's it's sort of like what Lachlan Giles did with his heel hook instructional where we're going to kind of assume that we're already in the Dars position and we have to finish through intelligent resistance so there's a lot of time spent on intelligent ways to resist and defend and escape the Dars and we're trying to break through those um, to finish either with the Dars or something else that uh, make sense to finish um so yeah it should be pretty cool there's going to be um a lot of notes in there there's going to be match examples links to videos of, of the various movements and stuff being done in real matches real mma fights uh sparring sessions and then we'll probably do like weekly zoom calls with anybody that buys the course for like the first month and if you have any questions on any of the material, I'll help out with that. And uh, one of the coolest videographers, uh, Conscious Keelan, he filmed it. It looks really, really cool, and I can't wait to share it with everybody. And, yeah, I hope that everyone out there is doing well. Thanks for supporting me. And, yeah, I uh, got a lot of love uh, out there for everybody. appreciate all of y'all, and I will catch you on the next episode. Peace.